0: Welcome to the Gaming Trend Podcast. My name is Anthony Shelton, and I am joined by David Burdett. Hello there. And Noah Rigsby. Hello, everyone. In this podcast, we talk about the latest games we could get our hands on, games in our backlog we should have played a long time ago, and games you absolutely need to play. After Summer Games Fest, we're playing catch-up. We got a lot of games to talk about. We got brand spanking new games. We got old, really good games. So we'll talk about Diablo 4. We'll talk about Final Fantasy 16. And I specifically have to call out Noah. He played x Defiance, So I personally am very curious to hear his thoughts on that game. That is a game we just cannot shake. Uh, And we also have some news to discuss. People are really unhappy with Season 6 of Overwatch. And we're in Season 5 right now. So that's going to be a thing. Uh, Nintendo had their Direct today featuring some cool games. Diablo 4 seasonal model is raising a lot of questions for all Diablo players. Also, we found out Xbox is raising the price of Game Pass a few hours before the recording of this. So we'll talk about that. So let's start with Final Fantasy sixteen. I believe that is yours, David. Yes.
1: Yes, that it is. Uh, I was right. not the person who did the full written review. That was David Flynn. Uh, however, I did assist with this one and Final Fantasy 16 is it, easiest way to put this, it's something else <laughs> because Final Fantasy 16 is not like the other Final Fantasy games you played. First off, it's not turn-based. Uh, that is no longer, obviously that's not exactly been a a thing for a little bit. Uh, we have gotten a couple of the, like the new 7 remake. We've gotten Final Fantasy six, 15, which was a little more open world. Um, Final Fantasy has not been afraid to change what it is and be, you know, ever try to change its style. But this is a pretty big departure. They actually brought on the combat designer. Uh, combat director for Devil May Cry 5 and when you play the combat of Final Fantasy 16 it is evident that he was the final that he was the Devil May Cry 5 combat director because it is fast it is furious you've got numbers flying around the screen as you hit things Uh, it, it doesn't go crazy with at least for what I've played, like there's some combos. It just doesn't go insane with them. I get I guess Jedi Survivor is probably a good way of kind of pointing it out is they've kind of instead of with Jedi Survivor, you've got the different styles of blade you're using. It's they've kind of just mashed that all up into one way that you're using everything here. Uh but the interesting thing with this is Whereas you were always focused in previous games on the party and all this different kind of things, you're really just focused on this main character, Clive, and his story through all of this, which you jump between a couple different things of his, uh, in his life, his teens, his 20s, his 30s, you're going to spend most of your time in his 30s, and they go flashback to kind of these different things he's, he's gone through, and... <clears throat> The way everything begins, it's this heavy... I know everybody's made the comparisons to, say, Game of Thrones and whatnot. It's this very heavy political drama that is going on with a lot of things. Uh, I was... It, I, I'm pretty sure, at least if I'm remembering right, the, the demo, the some of the spots that it takes you through, I think this actually... You'll have seen it, but I don't want to spoil anything, so I don't want to say anything. But your journey at the very beginning of this game, as you play through his teens, at least in the very beginning section, like there, there are some like mouth a gate moments story wise. And I know that from what I've read, from what I've heard, when you do get towards the end. Of the game, the second half of the game, the story is a little less punchy. Like you don't get as many hits with it, but it, at least from what I played at the start, it is just very, very good. Like I, I've liked seeing what's going on in the background of all this. There is a little bit of that Final Fantasy. Um, I'm exist in this world, but since I've not been living here, I don't know everything that's going on. <laughs> kind of stuff that's going. they're all talking about this stuff and i'm like okay i i don't know why i should know this <laughs> and they do have some good lore options of being able to understand some things more i'm assuming uh, but that's gonna take you know jumping into the lore menu which they interestingly enough they actually bring up the lore menu accessibility while you're in a cutscene So I'm assuming I've not used it, but it looks like it's, there's a way to pull it up and actually kind of navigate some things, maybe to get some more of an idea of what's going on, which I think is a really cool option that not a lot of games have to give you extra, extra information on what you're dealing with. But it's, it's, I like what I've done, what I've done so far, and I can't wait to continue to progress through the game when it comes to the story, uh, you're looking we're looking at the in the video here we're looking at the game and it's absolutely gorgeous if you've played the demo it, it, i'm sure it looks this good but it is very very good uh everything just looks really nice i like the locations i've been to so far there's some that just say that like it kind of blends together a little bit too much it's not as vibrant i'm like well not every game has to be horizon forbidden west uh so <laughs> Not everything's just gonna be super duper colorful. You know, you run through a forest. This is what a forest looks like. But I, I like the way the characters look. The Final Fantasy has always had its stylized JRPG look. And I, I just I just like the way the game looks. I'm trying to think on on other things. The icon stuff is super cool. Where used to be summons were you know, the spe- the big highlight special that you would get to call in when you did a battle and you just needed that last second, like, I need this to hit. Uh, you've got them in two different ways, and you've got them in abilities, which I believe the video showed at one point, like, my character, uh, Clive, kind of swinging up a wing and hitting the character, uh, a fire wing, and that's just an ability from the Phoenix that you get is right there. Um, you actually get the abilities of the different icons as you go through, so you can kind of utilize these different things in different ways. That that's one of the ways that combat feels different is that you can kind of interchange some of your different icon abilities, so that you can you know get a lot harder of a hit when you need it. Like there, we were watching uh, at the Final Fantasy launch party, they actually had the director the combat director actually fought a super duper hard uh, hunting target (laughs) that he was trying to take out. And he finishes him off with not only there's a phenomenal, like this one icon like hit into the chest, but then finishes it off by chucking a lightning bolt up above the head and raining down lightning on him. So it's just this really cool, really stylish stuff that you can do, but that goes even further into the, into the icons themselves and in this world you have it, people who need the, want the blessing of the crystals. If you don't have like crystals to be able to use magic, there are different characters who are blessed by the crystals in the way in that they are dominant. So they actually are trying to think of the best way to put it. They are somewhat of the, the, the icons inhabit them. So they become these characters when they need to kind of pull it out and fight so you'll have these incredible moments where like in the very beginning of this you you have a lot of cutscenes and you have this really huge battle that, that the cutscenes incredible watching it but that all of a sudden <laughs> you've got Shiva, shooting her ice out and stuff and blocking different P- different attacks and whatnot that are coming her way. But then you have, I, I think it was Titan who all of a sudden is there and he's this humongous, like, I mean, you're, you're talking like Kaiju fight level of fights going on. And if, if just what we saw in the cutscene is even close to what, is going to happen as the game continues on, which I I know that's part of what goes on. It's, it's just going to continue to get more and more incredible. And just the, the first icon fight you end up doing is pretty crazy. So I can only imagine how much crazier it gets because that one was pretty on rails compared to what the future, the further ones in the game are. Um, trying to think. Well, it's, I, just go play I got this a game. Question. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Uh, are I'm watching this fight right here, and are the enemies, are all the enemies this spongy, or is this just a specific kind of fight? Uh, this
1: one is more spongy than other ones. Like there are some that I killed within a couple of hits, uh, and and this one was kind of your first encounter with this creature, so. They kind of treated it like a bit of a mini boss. Uh, I I am reminded of some of our earlier conversation in the fact that I do not do very well with upgrading my stuff. So I probably could have finished it off a little bit faster had I upgraded some abilities, upgraded my weapon, which I did proceed to do finally when I got a bit (laughs) further in and got to another smithy and somebody that i could chop with so uh, i'll be honest things when i play them often are more spongy than others because i forget and but it, it's definitely that care that specific fight is more spongy than others the others are definitely a lot faster paced
2: is the world more um open world or kind of similar, like how 15 was, or is it kind of similar to like the seven remakes? So it's definitely more that way.
1: That's actually something I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I didn't want to miss. The worlds are, you'll, you'll have some open exploration areas, but largely the game is actually like I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. It's you're going to be fast traveling to different areas, doing stuff in these areas. Some of them are bigger. Others are more like, for instance, this place was more level, was more of a level than it was an open world area. So there there are things that you will do that are going to be open. Because like I said, there are, there are like hunts that you're going to go do for specific targets and some other different things. But largely like, this right here is what you'll do story wise is they'll kind of put you on a specific beaten path with a couple things to look at as you go through. And I think it works really well for the story here because the, the game knows what it is and it, it does what it's doing well.
2: Yeah. I played the demo and I loved it. <laughs> like It's so good.
0: Is the demo on Xbox? I forget. It. I this game this is, is exclusive
1: to PlayStation 5.
0: Okay, that's what I thought. Yep. Um, but
1: I don't think they've even officially said that it's coming anywhere else. I think they might work on a PC port, but beyond that, we have no knowledge of anything.
0: Uh, what are the accessibility features like?
1: So, one of the coolest things, and this is... Uh, <laughs> so, what's funny is this video is actually more of a clip of something that we were doing for an accessibility video, which is available on the Gaming Trim YouTube page, you actually have, instead of specific, like, go into the settings and change them, you'll notice right at the front there, there's some rings that you can equip. And I. this is a, another one of those things of I've, I've not really explored that area because I'm so bad at exploring <laughs> my gear and stuff at times. Uh, the rings... The only ones that I have, I don't know if you get other ones that you can do more regular RPG armor kind of rings for stuff. They have what's called rings of timely this, rings of timely that. And for instance, the ring of timely strikes, you'll be able to just hit square. And as you hit your enemies, it'll actually do all of your combo stuff for you. So, like, for instance, one of the things with hitting an enemy is you can follow it up with a magic burst to get a little extra damage. And it's a really quick thing that it's a, you would hit square triangle to do that. Well, with this, you just keep hitting square and it mixes itself in there. Uh, same with even my cooldown abilities, like the, the wing that kind of swung up. Is, it'll actually mix those in as well. So you're, you're literally, it's doing all the combos for you. You're not having to really worry about anything beyond just kind of mashing squares. So it does make life easier for somebody who wants to play this. But it doesn't mean that it's not playing the game for you in that sense. Because there's still game sense that you kind of have to have as you're playing it. Uh, that, cause there's, it doesn't for dodge instance, for you it, and things yeah, like that. Yeah, which there's a ring that'll give you dodges and it will help you... It will do a lot of that for you, but it's not doing all of it for you, if that makes sense. Like, there are certain attacks that, it, yeah, that's 100%. You're not getting hit by that. But then there's other things. It's like, okay, you you have to be paying attention. So I, I don't know that it's always the best option. It's a good option for accessibility, but I don't think it's a good option for someone who is, like, really trying to play this game to its fullest. <laughs> Because some of the play, some of the combat, some of the dodges, some of that, like it benefits you to hit the right dot. Like if you hit a precision dodge, you'll be able to follow it up with a counter. So it's a lot more beneficial to you to be hitting these so that you get the most out of your attacks. Uh, There's also one one that I like a lot is there's a ring of timely assistance. And that ring of timely assistance actually gives you uh Torgle is your, your dog that's with you, and he can he can fight, he can do a Cura spell, which uh, will actually he can cast Cura, which will actually the dark part of your health bar if you've been hit. And you know, you know how it goes with a lot of RPGs, like you'll get hit and your health goes your health bar does go down, but then there's a gray area of your health bar where you've you've been hit but it's like it's gone but it's not gone <laughs> and that cura it'll actually regenerate that over time but he also the the dog you can have him fight back as well uh, if you equip the ring of timely assistance you're not having to use the d-pad to control him he, you're he's kind of doing all the things on his own and and to me something like that was more useful for me where I'm not there are again, benefits to if you get precision attacks from the dog, different things like that. it will help you a lot. but it it, the, it gives someone who would like the accessibility the, a way to play it as well as a new newer player to something like this. but it really but it isn't been so beneficial to a skilled player to just oh, I should just I should just equip this and just hit a, hit square the whole time. Like it's it's actually more beneficial for a skilled player to go through this and actually play the game, if that makes sense. Look for those pre- precision timings.
2: So you mentioned the dog Torgol. <laughs> yes. Can you pet Torgul? I have not gotten to
1: do it yet. I believe you can, but I have not gotten to do it yet. So I, that, that's just something that I don't know yet. Because <laughs> I've been my, really
2: hardcore following the story. So Now for my follow-up. So in the combat, um, from the demo, there wasn't really a way to chain your, from when I, what I played in the demo, there wasn't really a way to continuously chain your attacks. It's kind of you do your three or four light attacks, and then you can combo it with the triangle action. Um, does that get expanded upon as you get in? Or like, are there more ways to chain your attacks, or is it just like how we've seen in the clip? You just kind of do your four hit combo over and over again, which you break.
1: I feel like your four hit combo is uh, is a lot of what's going on, but it's not only that. If that makes sense, like as you continue on, there are some upgrades to abilities. And fighting things, like one of the things that you could do when... (laughs) So, again, we're talking about me and being the hoarder that I am. I went into the ability screen, and I had 900 ability points to spend by the time I finally went to actually look at it. And we're, we're talking that a lot of the abilities were... It's a start where, like, 25 ability (laughs) points. So so I unlock, like, the entire other half of the bar beyond the regular abilities. And then there are some mastery to the abilities. So it's more than just, oh, I unlock this ability. I'm done. Move to the next thing. There is some spend a higher amount to master it. But, like, there was one thing where you can hold down square and it'll actually give your sword like you'll in and do it with flame and that with flames. And then you can attack with it and and gives you one really hard hitting burst. So there is some more, I just don't think it's like, it's not some ridiculous RPG,
2: super expansive difference. Like I didn't, I just didn't know if like it benefited you from chaining your regular attacks with your abilities back into your regular attacks. You know. Yeah,
1: I, I don't think you're gonna get like crazy crazy in in depth with a lot of it. But that being said, I remember watching the that combat demo, and man, that combat director was like, I mean, he was hit hit hit. And you do get, I, I don't believe it's actually in the demo. You actually get a parry as well as that goes alongside the dodge. So you're even and and the interesting thing is parry is the is the same button as attack. So, you're not even having to move your like you're not going and hitting circle to parry or a different button like it's the same exact button so it, that's right. where I keep I keep talking about timing. Like yeah. you can te- you can see the Devil May Cry influence on this game because that game is timing (laughs) like like that's how you're getting those s rankings is your timings and in devil may cry it's not always about hardcore combos you get yes there are plenty of those but i i think this is a little less on that side because i don't think they wanted to go too crazy and take it too far away like this is an action game through and through but they don't want to just throw it completely into devil may cry this is this is Final Fantasy X Devil May Cry.
2: <laughs> Anthony, do you have any more questions? Because I got one.
0: No, I don't care anymore. It's not on x not play. Uh <laughs> No, I just, I don't have, I want to play it, but yeah, I don't have any other questions.
2: Okay. Um, well, I got one final one that popped into my head because uh, I got to thinking on it. So I played the demo in performance mode. Mm-hmm. and I really liked it and I know there's you know the performance and then the other quality I think is the other mode um, did you play on both of them or uh, like is there one that you would definitely recommend people go with
1: I I played on performance and uh, especially talking to Flynn it is better to play on performance because of those timings like you you just it just makes it easier to know that you're hitting your timings right. Uh, quality does look very good. I'll be, I'll tell you this: like this that you're watching again is performance, and it looks gorgeous that way. So the game isn't suffering at all. The game also is just built very, very well. That I, I believe most of the times I ended up with any performance drops, a lot of it was in towns with like NPCs around and whatnot. So it was the you know. The, the fun bottlenecks of hitting those performance issues were in places where I wasn't dealing with as much. Uh, there, there was a little bit in some combat instances, but it was very rare even in the combat instances since they, a lot of it's level-based, so you don't hit a lot of it. That being said, they do. I know that there was this big thing about, oh, we're, we don't have a day one patch, we don't have a day one patch. There is going to be a day one patch. But from what I understand, it's a very minor day one patch. It's supposed to be like 300 megabytes, which is stupidly small for a day one patch. And it is actually addressing some of performance mode specifically to probably to try to clean up some of these these different drops and stuff. So it may not be exactly 60, but I mean, even Digital Foundry was saying that it's one of the cleanest games that we've had this year especially considering how many games have come out and have a meet. I mean, even Jedi fallen Jedi survivor is still has issues that need
0: to be cleaned up. So. Well, that and square Enix doesn't have the greatest track record of no, no
1: creative business unit though. They, they have a pretty good track record. So I'm, I'm not surprised at all that this game is as good as it is they yeah, To they're, be fair, I, really good I was thinking about
0: PC when I said that. This it, yeah, is strictly PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. So. It does. It does help Act when you bad. only have to develop
1: for one platform. That yes. that does help a lot.
0: <laughs> my bad. I yep. Got my platforms crossed.
1: So, but yeah, it's it. We gave it a hundred out of a hundred. It it was just uh, Flynn absolutely loved every bit of this and after playing it i can definitely tell why
0: okay 100 out of 100
1: yep it, it it's another one of those games this year that you think about playing it when you're not playing it mm. uh, and zelda's the other one that i've i've had with that
0: so okay final fantasy 16 make it a great first impression on a person who doesn't like JRPGs.
1: Yep, I'm not very into them, and this is like right in my wheelhouse of uh, especially just the, the stylings of it.
0: Nice. Okay,
1: well,
0: another reason for me to get a PlayStation 5. I've been trying to <laughs> get one.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: It's the, This is the year for me to get a PlayStation 5. Especially with that Spider-Man 2 coming, and this,
1: and just a good year.
0: The other stuff that you wish that were coming, but they didn't show at the PlayStation Showcase. Ah, oh, <laughs> still all hoping. those live service games.
1: There's rumors right now going around about a uh, place showcase part two in September. So I'm, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers.
0: They were like, all right, we saw an Xbox. <laughs> did. All right, we'll make another one. We'll do a good one this time. <laughs>
1: All right, well, um somehow there the... will be a Deathloop and Final Fantasy Sixteen trailer at it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> somehow. Both of those slip in there. <laughs> or Grand Theft Auto 5 online again. <laughs> yeah. Those three. All right. So that's Final Fantasy sixteen, obviously developed, published by Square Enix. Glad it glad it's good because I know a lot of people were on the fence about that. So, I haven't seen other reviews on it, but I also haven't heard anything bad.
2: They've been really strong reviews. Okay. Yeah, from
1: everyone. It's sitting at an 88 on Metacritic right now.
0: Okay, that's good. That's good. You were you were saying really strong Noah, so I was about I, to ask David. I, I, Does it feel like a game of the year kind of game?
1: Th- this will be nominated. I, I get, Ooh. and the thing is, is there there an, is that? enough sentiment? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's <laughs> there's enough sentiment. <laughs> yeah, there's there's enough sentiment that I've seen that there are people who, like for instance, Game Informers Wesley LeBlanc uh, actually said he was like, "Look, I gave this an eight point five, and this is still my game of the year." Like he's like, there are certain things with the product I didn't care for, but I still love, absolutely love this game.
0: Okay, I mean, here Hi-Fi Rush, you know, like I think it's a really solid game, um, but it doesn't do anything new. It's still, my top two this year, you know, um, feels great. Um, does what it does very well. I was like we've seen that before, kind of just does it very well. So yeah, top two. I, I could see, I could see that eighty-five isn't. I like how eighty-five is like that's a game of the year.
1: Oh, I I sent a ninety-five uh, and up. Oh, I sent a. I sent a tweet to somebody. I was like, "88 isn't a complete and utter failure." <laughs> 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 to which the the to which the person responded, "I only play games a hundred or better."
0: <laughs> that's fair. Oh, uh, that's funny. All right. Well, uh, I always struggle throwing to myself, but I played Diablo Four. There it is. I got it up before I needed to do it. <laughs> I was waiting.
1: Nancy's so. just going to walk away and just make us watch this,
0: and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Behold the greatness. Let it speak for itself. Um. So, I, I released a, a video uh, when this game came out, and my thoughts on it were pretty much my feelings about the thing and I mean the video got absolutely ravaged at the end of the day like it was uh, a lot of people misunderstood what the video was supposed to be but basically like I I give my sentiments of Diablo 4 without actually like um I, I, I presume people have played it because of the betas so I don't go into a great detail I just tell people how I feel about the game so Maybe my delivery wasn't great. I'll take some blame for that. But my I still stand by my sentiment. And my sentiment is this. Diablo 4 does nothing groundbreaking. It doesn't do anything to push ARPGs forward. It's not innovative in that way. It does bring Diablo into the modern era. So that that's good. It needed it. But that's it. And yet I still give it a 9 out of 10 personally. We gave it, Gaming Trend gave it a 100 out of 100. I would give it a 90. I'll explain why later. It's been a great year. Huh?
1: It's been a great year for video games. (laughs)
0: Dude, it's so good. But I feel that way because everything Diablo 4 does, it does extremely well. It does everything at a high level. Um, It's like a really good cheeseburger. You know, like a cheeseburger. You know, it's buns, it's cheese, it's meat, it's tomatoes, it's lettuce, pickles, must, mustard, ketchup, whatever you put on your cheeseburger. But when you have a really good cheeseburger, the buns are toasted just right. You know, it's just the right bun. It the meat seasoned and cooked well. The cheese is melted just right. You got fresh tomatoes, good, you know, all that stuff. Everything is just good, and you bite into it. And it's like this is freaking good cheeseburger but it's like just that, a cheeseburger
1: it's like that Shake Shack bacon cheeseburger I had while I was in LA oh <laughs> that's delicious
0: yeah there you go I haven't had their bacon cheeseburger I've had their shakes their shakes are good um,
1: that was good too
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's like that that was actually the side note the bacon <laughs> cheeseburger that was the <laughs> highlight but yeah it's a it's a cheeseburger but it's a really good che- everything is done right that's Diablo 4. Like you bite into Diablo 4 and it's like this This is really good. And so I, I don't blame anybody for feeling like Diablo 4 is a little generic. It doesn't really do much. I wouldn't argue with that, but it's still fun. I'm having a ton of fun with it. Um, so let's talk about some specifics. Uh, first of all, the open world is absolutely enormous. It takes 15 minutes from one end of the map to the furthest end of the other map to get through about 15 minutes. I I literally walk through it and it's huge. So, um, but it feels natural. This whole open world. It almost feels like Diablo has always been this way with everything that is added. It, it feels like it's always been this just huge world with a whole bunch of other stuff going on with other people involved as well. So, It's got some MMO aspects to it. That's the biggest inclusion, basically, into Diablo 4. You got world bosses, public events, which they call Legion events, PvP areas, and then just as you're playing, you get increased experience for fighting alongside anybody who's in the world. So you literally just exist next to somebody, and you get increased experience. You don't even have to be in a party. So these things that you have in there, it feels like it's just always been this way. That's how natural it feels. You just flow. You go from one section to the next. There's no loading screens. The whole map is just there. You go and do stuff. It's fantastic. Now, Noah, you just walked away. Oh, no. gone it. <laughs> he had to go to the bathroom. That's fine. He he's, might he's still have to, his headphones He's Probably
1: off. going. He's probably going to download Final Fantasy 16.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. I don't blame him. Uh, so anyway, Noah mentioned oh, a few weeks back. He asked about enemy variety in the beta. Now that I've played the whole game, um, I would say yes, the enemy variety is there. Now you got your archetypes. You got your close range enemies, long range, aggro, magic, all that. Some close enemies, uh, or excuse, long range enemies. They'll use spears. They'll uh shoot some poisonous insects they all do something different uh some aggro characters that the the kind that bum rush you and just mess you up some melee attack some chase you and try to blow you up so all that variety is there in droves they definitely make you play differently for the most part You could fight them the same way, you know. If if you have a particular way of going about that, like my rogue had a very specific build, and I needed to do things in a particular sequence in order to maximize my damage. Um, Most times, I was wiping them off, so I didn't really need to change my style. But if I let things get a little too out of hand, it it could get really tough, and it could mess me up. So uh, that sounds obvious, but it's the dynamic between all the different enemy types that exist the way they hit you and the way they could accumulate together to make things really interesting and then throw elites in there. Of course that makes things tougher. Uh, so there's, so that's the enemy variety and types, but some standout things that I definitely want to talk about. I want to start with the skill tree. Cause I think the skill tree is really misunderstood. So, the skill tree acts like an ability unlocker. So, you unlock nodes as you get skill points, you get the ability to basically, you can, with a skill point, you can unlock a basic attack. With other skill points, you can unlock your core attacks, which is the attacks that uh, consume energy. With another skill point in a different node, you can unlock. Uh, agility skills for rogue for example or imbuement skills which can combine with your some agility and some core skills so you're basically with this skill tree unlocking different abilities that you can use to fight that's not how most skill trees work in these kind of games usually skill trees you know your expectation is you'll unlock skills that synergize with other skills within the tree so you take Borderlands 3, for example, with Amara. Uh, she could be a, a melee character, right? So her skill tree will look like something like max health. You could increase her max health so she could stay in the fight longer. You can increase her d- gun damage when closer to an enemy. You can increase her melee damage specifically on and on. And all that stuff is in the skill tree. And that is what you're building. And then you find the right guns and gear to complement those things in the skill tree what's nice about that method is those benefits are unlocked immediately so whether or not you have the right gear or the right guns you have those abilities being used it's just once you get the right gear whatever the case may be you maximize those benefits right that's not diablo 4 at all this is loot is how you establish And create your build. The skills allow you to focus on a concept. So, say I'm using Rogue, there's this one ability called Twisting Blades. It is a fantastic attack, it destroys enemies. So, by typically, if I wanted to build into this attack and really take advantage of it, it needs energy, I want to boost its damage. Well, I'm going to find stuff that allows me to increase my energy and maybe I can consume less energy every time I use it. Maybe I want to increase just its damage. There's really not that many options in the skill tree to be able to do that. Um, There's some immediate modifiers connected to that skill. Maybe there's some other stuff that aren't necessarily directly related to it. Other than that, there's nothing in the skill tree that you could really use to boost the power of twisting blades. But then you look at the gear and you're looking for stuff like dexterity, which specifically increases the damage of core skills. You're looking for just base damage increase. You're looking for uh, energy, uh, just increase in energy overall, right? All that stuff comes from your armor and your weapons. None of that stuff is found in the skill tree. I like that method. I like, I like how like just everything is just built in the loop it makes loot more exciting to me. I like searching for it more. Um, And, yeah, I feel like that particular method's benefit mostly comes from the fact that when you get stronger, sometimes you got to switch out the loot, which then busts up the build that you're using in your skill tree, and you're not getting those advantages anymore. So you are now having to figure out, okay, what's the best way to attack these stronger enemies while I've now trying to find new gear and loot that works with the build. With this, it's like, okay, well, I have to switch out my gear. I'm using a bunch of shadow imbument, but now I got a bunch of stuff that has cold imbument. All right, well, just switch from shadow in your skill tree and just put cold. And now you're taking advantage of all the stuff that has cold imbument involved. So it's like a really simple simplistic way to just switch things up on the fly as your build is is changing so it really works for people who want to build but are also growing and and getting new gear at the same time like you could always have something that takes advantage of what you have versus the skill tree you're limited to what's in the tree and the you gotta have the right stuff in order to take advantage of it so i really like this method and i and i feel like not enough people take advantage of it or at least understand it like i get it, path of exile lets you do just all this kind of crazy stuff with the skill tree but diablo four is just like no it's the loot i really like both methods both methods work um so yeah i i i would say to people like now embrace this. Like This is, this is good. It's just a, it's a different way of going about it. What people are not having fun with, though, is the global level scaling. That is basically the enemies scale with you. You grow a level, they grow a level, and they don't really stop growing a level. So the problem people are having with this is that people don't feel powerful. They, they feel like they can't over-level to just wipe enemies out in one hit. People like that power trip you know you i get it you put in the work and you're rewarded with one shotting enemies for doing every side quest and every main quest and every little thing that can give you experience you don't get that you know it's you're constantly having to fight enemies at the same strength as you i don't like or dislike level scaling but i do think it works I, but i don't get people who say you can't obliterate enemies I spent almost my entire playthrough obliterating enemies i <laughs> i mean I'm just mowing through them so to me when people say I can't they're saying i don't want to make a build that's that's what I hear and you can't this is not a game where you can get more powerful simply by leveling up Like you need to combine things that you're finding as you go along to take advantage of something so that way you can have an easier time and you can feel overpowered because i felt overpowered basically up until the world tier two capstone dungeon and it was like oh that was quite an increase but my gear was so old because it just helped me all the way through i just happened to find some really awesome gear that just combined with everything that i was trying to do and it worked great. So, um, that's that's level scaling for Diablo 4. I think this is a game that has to have it though. And the reason why this game has a hundred levels and two soft caps. If you over level so you can destroy enemies it's hard to make a build for the soft caps and end game, let alone you're getting all the way to 100. Like you're not going to make a build because everything you're doing, you're always trying to get to the higher level and just always be above the fray. And so by the time you're reaching the the, uh, the hard cap, you really don't have a build because you hadn't needed one. But Diablo 4 and Blizzard are saying, No, we want you to make a build so that you're prepared for everything that comes together. And you can make a build in the World Tier 2 soft cap. You can make a build in the World Tier 3 soft cap. You don't have to switch World Tiers. You can absolutely stay in World Tier 2. You can have a build and just bust through every dungeon that you want. You can do all the side quests. You don't have to move up. But if you do, they're saying, no, look, the way the loot drops, the way the level scales, uh, the way this all the skill tree stuff works, you can make a build, and that will help you get past the hump. So Diablo Four makes you think about making a build, whereas other games, it doesn't really—you don't really have to all the time because you can overlevel and just blow through stuff. So, and you could tell people are have to think about a build because they're frustrated. They're like, ah, I don't want to make a build this is not the way I want to play. That's, it's like, our, that's cool. That's fine. But that's not what Blizzard wants. That's not the direction they want people to take with this. They want people to make builds, even if it's just by happenstance, you know, like, ooh, I have a bunch of intelligence here. Might as well add some more intelligence if I want, you know, like, and just do it because you're going to need it because you got a hundred levels to go through and you're not going to be able to over level for 100 levels. It's just not, possible so they just force people to at least think about the idea of making a build so um it's a super subtle and i think it's a really great design um because again is it's so subtle like you don't realize that's what they're doing but it's totally like yeah they they just want people to make builds and they're forcing you to do it by making you have to fight enemies at your level every single time. So I think I think it's a great design there. So but it's an example of how like Diablo 4 doesn't really do anything special. It's just really smart, right? Like it's just well built and those subtle details make a huge difference. Um I would say the reason why I would give it a 90 out of 100 is the dungeons those are not really that interesting uh they're constantly the same they are randomly generated but there's similar design aesthetics throughout every region no matter what region you're in you're going to see the same kind of dungeons very similar designs in some ways enemies will be different but they're not that interesting they're still fun to go through because it's diablo and it's fun but you're not going through any interesting like i give destiny to all the credit i love going through the strikes because they're handcrafted and they're meant to do something interesting this is just we got a whole bunch. we got 100 plus dungeons you could go through them earn some aspects do some stuff i guess it's hard to handcraft 100 dungeons but you can feel the difference that it's like yeah okay i'm in a dungeon i'm in another dungeon great i'm in another dungeon it's it's underwhelming. There's nothing special about them. So that's disappointing that you have to do so many dungeons and not one of them really stands out from another. That's that's kind of disappointing. Great bosses though. Oh, I love the bosses. They're really good bosses. I see you leaning into your mic. Noah. it sounds like you wanted to...
2: Oh no, I just agreeing wholeheartedly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love the bosses in the dungeons. Yeah, the bosses are really so fun. So unique and fun.
0: Yes, they make, you, they make you move. They make you change your tactics. They're fun solo. They're fun in groups. Uh, really, the dungeons, not, not great, but the bosses make up for it. They, they are very good bosses. I also want to quickly ment- mention uh, sound design. and Not enough people have talked about the sound design. I haven't either, but this is one of the best sounding games I have ever played. There are so many subtlety you can hear every punch the way the enemies crunch and squish and blow up as you attack them um all the specific sound effects that they use everything like you don't confuse anything in this game it's all and it all feels separated like i can pick out sounds when a whole bunch of stuff is going on it is mixing and mastering that is ridiculous like if this game does not get some kind of sound design award is something's wrong something is wrong but uh music's fantastic as well um my favorite part is really little thing but whenever i y- you know you guys played the beta you walk by it's like a bunch of bricks or you know boxes or whatever you you stab it or whatever and Box breaks and you can like hear like individual planks. Pitter patter, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, like hitting each other and falling on the ground. Like my favorite is like knocking down the logs, and like you can hear the logs individually like banging into each other as they fall to the ground. It's like y'all didn't even have to get this specific (laughs) for this game. Like, this is incredible. Last thing I want to mention for Diablo 4. I feel like I've been rambling, but stability. Overall, absolute fantastic launch. Not perfect. No stretch of the imagination. It's been disconnects. People losing hardcore progress. I get it. It has not been perfect, but this is absolutely the best online launch recently. Um, I don't even think it could be debated. It's It's that good. So Kudos to, to Blizzard. Apparently, the server slam was not just a promotion. It was absolutely <laughs> something to help. It helped. It helped a lot. Uh, again, it's not. it wasn't perfect. It's still not perfect. I still get disconnected from time to time. But uh, it is the new standard for online launches. There's absolutely no question about it. So that's all I got to say about Diablo 4.
2: I want to also briefly touch on the sound design because you were talking about how good it is. Um, I'm on my source or source build right now and I'm doing an icy build, strictly Mm -hmm. ice. And one of the abilities is the ice shard and you cast out each time the five individual, like in a row icicles and stuff. And you can hear each icicle of the five in like the burst that you throw them in hitting the enemies while you're doing all this fighting and even with those individual five i can still hear when like one of the enemies throws like a javelin at me and it hits me while yeah. i'm still <laughs> spamming my attack like the so good like i i agree with you sound design is s tier
0: yeah it it blows my mind how good it is um and even just the way the ice sounds like you can hear it like crackling and like breaking it like it's heating up as it's like when you have your enemies
2: uh my build is kind of around like freezing the enemies and making them vulnerable and whenever you kill the enemy it doesn't they don't make like a dying sound effect it's like taking a nice big block of ice and just shattering it it's so yeah hard. it the elements and attacks that you use it it's not just some generic it's like they thought how would this sound like, your yeah. fire sounds like fire. It Ice sounds like ice. The cackling ability when I was doing my shock build sound just like electricity. Just, I cannot stress enough how good it is.
0: Yeah, whenever I use the, like, the shadow imbuement and and activate it, it's like this, like, whoa sound. It's like, yeah, I, I, that's probably what it would sound like. Mm-hmm. It just... They did put in a lot of thought into the sound.
2: Yeah. And you mentioned like the level scaling. Um, You can't obliterate. Um, It's just you have to use the meta builds. I I saw a guy, um, Glad, he, he killed the butcher in, I think, like 10 seconds. Like it was insanely busted build so you can it's just you have to put thought into it or you can just go and copy paste builds but like there is so much thought and like different builds for different situations like i've already changed my build three times just because of gear that i've gotten and gameplay styles that i needed to change so
0: yeah and it's just like all you need to do like you get all that new stuff and it's like okay what what do i have a lot oh Oh, I got a whole bunch of uh, armor-related stuff. Okay, I'll just make my character tanky. I'll go into the skill tree and you know use anything that can take advantage of the tankiness that I got now. You know, like it's, I'll never die. I might kill enemies slower, but I'll never die. <laughs> I, I
2: I appreciate that because I mean, in a game that you're going to be touting as a live service, you want people to have a reason to keep playing and continually play, come back to. And if you make it where your builds and your styles are based off the loot that drops, it just prolongs it. Because if they did that purely around the skill tree, there wouldn't be any replayability in that, in my opinion. Like, I love the loot. It feels significant, and it makes me excited when I get a new epic, legendary, whatever they're called. I want to say exotic just from my Destiny background, (laughs) but it's... yeah. Yeah,
0: legendaries. Um, another point I just realized as you were talking, a common problem too in, in games where, um, uh, I guess your builds are based more on skill trees and then you have the gear and guns to support it. If a gun or gear gets, or, you know, weapon, whatever gets nerfed, like now your now this build that you've created that does combine with this stuff feels less useful because now the thing that supports it isn't there anymore. And so in this case, you have a bunch of different gear where all the modifiers attached to it are the thing that you could take advantage of, not necessarily like the gear itself or the weapon itself. And so it's like if one particular dagger, you know, for a rogue gets nerfed, it's really good. That's fine. Because you still have like all this other stuff that still matches with the skill tree, and even if you needed to change something or modify something, you could just go into the skill tree and just boop boop boop. All right, quick and easy. Good,
2: easy. You know, if you want to change up, you just quick refund of your skills and just go through. Pop pop pop. It's there's so much freedom in your builds and the way you can play. It's astounding.
0: Yeah. So like mine, like it's not the strongest build in the world, but it, I mean it, it got me through... I, get, I got up to the Capstone Dungeon and was like, okay, my gear is too weak because I just hadn't upgraded it because all the modifiers were just so fantastic. I was like, I don't really need anything else. But even after I finished the Capstone Dungeon and I got into World Tier 3, I clearly I found out that the Capstone Dungeon was actually harder than just base World mm-hmm. Tier 3 because then I was like back to... I wasn't doing... I wasn't killing them as quickly But I also wasn't having as much trouble as I was having in the capstone dungeon. So it was like, okay, like my build's still actually pretty decent. They just had like the capstone dungeon be a very difficult thing, which is fine. But um, you know, it just it just goes to show that you could kind of make up your own thing and still kind of make it work. You just have to, (laughs) like you said, you just have to think about it. So yeah, it's I don't know. I think it's just a really well-built game that's kind of misunderstood in a lot of ways by a lot of people, um, just because of diablo tradition or other games like a borderlands or a path of exile or something uh in some ways a lost arc um and i'm like no nah, just look at what diablo is and like i think you'll <laughs> notice like this, it's really smart it's really actually more free to, freeing than you think so yes that, that's diablo 4 it's fantastic it's wonderful
2: yes it is
0: I guess I should talk about Endgame, shouldn't I? I mean, it's just more stuff to do. Hell Tides. I mean, I even, are basic. I haven't even have gotten done there it? yet.
2: I'm I'm just starting in Act Three because I've been having to, I've been smartly and obediently delegating my time between everything that's came out. So it doesn't help <laughs> when literally everything came out.
0: Yeah. Um. To make it quick. It's, it's more Diablo. It's fun, and there's lots of ways to get it. hell Helltides, for example. Um, certain regions of the map become uh, uh, which basically called a helltide, and um, you have about 30 minutes to kill as many enemies as possible and, and collect a, a currency, basically. I'll just call it a currency. And you can turn it in at certain chests um, to get loot. The more and certain chests require more of this currency in order to uh, cash in on better loot. So you got 30 minutes. If you die, you lose half of the currency that you had. So you don't want to die, obviously. Um, and there's some pretty tough enemies in there, so you do have to be careful. But that Helltide is easily the best way to get loot. And then there's Legion events where it's kind of like Destiny public events, uh, where you can just whoever wants to get in there. Can get in there and you fight hordes of enemies and uh, a major boss and you you kill it and get loot so like, so yeah, there's and then there's the dungeons and then there's nightmare versions of the dungeons which is a version where there's just more elites and you know just, it's just more difficult you get good loot there um so yeah i mean it's you just play more diablo really so um as you increase your world tiers you you get more current you get more cash you get more Experience enemies are harder, loot's better. So um all the base stuff that I talked about before, that that's what carries Diablo. The end game is just more greatness. So there you go. Alright, now I'm done. Uh let's see Who's next on the list we got oh yes, Noah. It's it's little little old me. Yeah, take it away with X Defiant.
2: So I am Almost not a complete 180 from my initial impressions of X Defiant, but vastly different now um, with this open beta, if you um, want to call it that. When I initially played, it just didn't feel good as a shooter, just kind of bland, a little slower than what I was expecting coming from you know, the devs who are making this and just didn't stand out at all. And I was trying to think like, what is the identity of the game? Cause it just felt like it just, they literally took baseline shooter mechanics, slapped Ubisoft properties on it and said, Hey, you know, here's a free free to play game. We're going to throw your way. Now it is much more polished and, feels and plays very well. I really enjoyed my time in it. Um, The abilities, I like the way that they have... um, Where you can't just spam them or anything. They're on a timer. uh, Because you get a grenade, a passive, a first ability or a second ability, I should say. And then your ultimate. And your ultimate... You got to be putting in work to get it, you know, to occur more than once during a match. Um, it kind of rewards you for either playing the objective or just fragging out with kills. If you just play kind of passively and stuff, you're probably not going to get it by the end of the match, which I like. It promotes engagement, promotes you to be active. Um, and it, it all, Nothing is overpowered. Like I felt like when I first played in the closed beta, there was a lot of spamming of the abilities, and they were very oppressive. Whereas now they're not that bad at all. Like they don't—they're don't, more assisting in gameplay than actually hindering the opponents. Um, the only one I think that might get some uh, tuning or some looked at there is a cloaking ability where. You go invisible for, I think it's like ten or twelve seconds, and you. It says that your movement and your aim down speed is limited in this because obviously you're invisible. Did not feel limited. <laughs> it, it felt pretty much the same. So I think that I could get some tuning, but overall, pretty balanced stuff. Um, I've just had a lot of fun. That's the big thing. It's been a nice f- breath of fresh air. Um, In this open beta, so far I've played three game modes. There has been Escort, which you escort a payload. There's two rounds. You start off, you can attack. You have to see how far you can progress the payload, which the payload's like a robotic dog-looking cargo-carrying thing. And then you defend whoever gets the most progress in the... If you both progress it you know, 100% of the distance, it's whoever does it in the shortest amount of time. Pretty pretty simple. There's a mode, if you've played Call of Duty, David knows Hardpoint. They basically have their Hardpoint variation and Domination, where it's the three capture objectives. Um, so nothing too crazy or unique, but it doesn't need to be. I, I think those game modes work very well because they're pretty fast-paced. Um, considering it definitely feels like an old school call of duty because the spawns are insanely inconsistent. (laughs) They are all over the place. (laughs) There's like David knows all about now, like blocking spawns, you know, wanting them to spawn. No, there's none of (laughs) it. It's just, you can spawn anywhere, which is kind of adds to the hecticness. Um, the guns are fun. They've got, uh, I guess I hate calling them old school. It's the, gr- it's the greatest hits, man. It's the yeah, greatest it's, hits. It's just old school Call of Duty.
1: I hate saying Call of Duty You got Call your M4, guns. you got your ACR, yeah. you got your Fennec, you got your MP5. Vector, I mean,
2: P90, all the stuff that, you know, we It's what should with. be. It's what should be in a shooter. Yeah. Like, yeah. But now <laughs> it's, they have like all these weird, you know, names. Um, and even I appreciate, I talked with David about this, the attachments, they kind of have in a, uh, there's different barrel attachments, muzzle attachments that you can choose, and it blatantly says, like, this is a lightweight barrel. This is a precision barrel. This is a fire, you know, increase rate. It's very easy to understand, and you're not having to necessarily worry, like, oh, what is this, like, Bruin tack muzzle flash hider? Like, what does that do? No, it says this is lightweight. It'll make you faster. So... It's very easy to understand. Very simple. In terms, stats of, are very specific too, so that helps. Yeah, there's um, like you have mobility, accuracy stats, and it does a really good job of doing. Uh, so if it increases, it you get green; decreases, red. So you can kind of see which one pick and choose. The guns, it's nothing changes there. ARs and SMGs is the only thing viable, <laughs> other than snipers. Um, I don't know why they. Put forth the effort to put those in the game. I guess for those four people who run with LMGs and stuff, they're the main slayers. Nothing changing there. Uh, in terms of feel, with aiming and gunplay, felt more like a respawn game. Felt a lot like Titanfall Two, uh, where there is a lot of move it, movement, movement, uh, and re- it rewards you for. Being able to move, slide canceling, jumping, sliding, all that's very rewarding. Aim assist, not a lot. (laughs) It it definitely takes some getting used to. If you're coming straight over from any of the newer Call of Duties, going to be a bit of a wake-up call, uh, especially for me. I had to take some adjusting um, on that side. And then the last thing I want to talk about, which is my favorite part about it is that from everything I've seen, their public playlist will be connection-based very for being a beta. The games were very, very consistent. Um, no lag spikes, no people rubber banding, um, ping felt pretty good. Uh, all things considered, and it was the old school Call of Duty where my first game, I got three kills because we were getting mode, And then the next two games, I dropped 35 because, you know, <laughs> there's just anybody can get matched up with anybody. It's not this skill based where everyone is trying hard, sweaty, you know, the entire time. And so if you're wanting a break from Call of Duty <laughs> with its matchmaking and try harding, try it out. I think you'll be very surprised. Um, I wanted to bring up a tweet that Mark Rubin pointed out that I very much appreciate and enjoy because I don't know why a lot of people think that everything has to be a killer of something. Like if a new game comes out, is it going to be this killer? What's it going to do compared to this? Um, He said in a tweet, X Defiant is a love letter to the arcade arena shooter. Is it a cod killer? piffed i have no idea we're just trying to make a game that people can love for a long time and i mentioned before i was trying to figure out what x defiance identity is and it after seeing that tweet it definitely feels like a love letter to old school cod those old arena shooters where it's very fast-paced frantic um you can drop 50 70 kills in a lobby but then you can turn right around and drop four it's kind of a great vibe for everybody that if you want to break from call of duty it's free to play give it a shot like the i believe he said that or somebody from ubisoft said the x defiant will have obviously purchable purchasable skins
1: but and, and they're battle also pass
2: I'm pretty sure. Yeah, in the battle pass. But they're also wanting to make it more I guess instead of having like a oh we're going to put 50% skins microtransactions and 50 earnable through challenges in game. It sounds like they're going to try to definitely make it more how there are more skins available that you can earn and you know get yourself rewarded through gameplay versus microtransactions. So we'll see the quality of the skins they do and they choose in that. Um, But that's it's a good, refreshing thing to hear that they're not strictly like, hey, we're very much worried about the microtransactions. Um, It sounds like it's almost second nature to them. Like, hey, they'll be out there if you want them, but we're going to put a lot that you can earn in-game. So yeah, I definitely think, Anthony, you should give it a second try because um, I have, like I said, big turnaround for me. I've very much enjoyed my time so far.
0: It would be the uh, sixth or seventh try for me at this point. <laughs> um, no, no, that's interesting. I mean, I came around after I stopped playing, um, after the, the last closed beta, whatever it was, and I realized uh that it's not it certainly takes from overwatch it certainly takes from call of duty but it is not meant to function like overwatch as i expected it to do because it it takes so much from overwatch You, you got moving a payload you got the ability stuff so i was seeing all these things happen and I was like, there is zero coordination, there's zero teamwork, everybody's playing this like it's Call of Duty. And after I, I was actually playing with Cassie. And after I was done playing with her uh in the game, it was, yeah. I I see I see now, because I was using the um the echelon with the cloak. And I was like, okay, yeah, this this cloak wasn't for anybody else. It's not necessarily for me to flank with a coordinated effect. Um yes, timing is everything. I I get that. You you want to you don't want a 1v6, <laughs> you know, and all that stuff. I I get that, but um because there's so many different lanes people can go down versus like Overwatch, it's almost just like one kind of lane with a few flanks. If you understand what I'm saying in the difference of that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really not meant to be like, okay, we have a shield player. Great. So we're going to all follow the shield player because he's basically our tank. It's like, no, he's still as squishy as everybody else. He just happens to have a shield. So um, once I understood that, I started to appreciate what X Defiant is a little bit more. I do still struggle with what its identity is supposed to be. I get the uh, old school love letter, uh, love letter to old school Call of Duty. I just don't know if it's convincing enough to attract the, the enough Call of Duty players to spend enough time with X Defiant that they decide to pay money for stuff. And not pay money in Call of Duty. Because that's the biggest thing with Call of Duty right now. For Call of Duty players, it is their Madden. It is their FIFA. That is what they play. So can X Defiant catch enough people from the audience for it to stick around long enough? I don't know. That, that That's my concern for this game. I will say whenever I do play X to I do have fun. I do have fun. I just, I'd rather play something else before that, but I know every time I do play it, I do have fun.
2: Yeah, I definitely, um, want to see, you know, how much engagement they can keep with players. Um, because like you said, Call of Duty, that's the big guy. Like what are they gonna do to get people to, you know, migrate to their their game? Um I and I think a big part of it will be the content. Like how much content are they gonna drop? I played probably about four or five maps, I would say so far, and I don't know how much um if they're you know holding any maps for the full launch or whatnot, um, I know all of the attachments and stuff for the guns that they put into the beta this time around were all unlocked. So you didn't have to like progress to unlock anything. You could try out whatever, you know, loadouts you wanted to do. Um, but the way the weapons looked in the loadout screen, it definitely shows room for more. So I yep. think if they can put the content and kind of, keep up with the seasonal refreshment of maps or operators, if you want to call them that, the factions, if they can do new additions for that. I think they got a good chance of... They won't overtake Call of Duty or anything. I think they can be successful. Oh, yeah. And I think that's... At the end of the day, I think that's what they want to be is successful. You know, which... How they gauge that being successful will be up to them. (laughs) You know, it's... For me, I... It's just going to be a fun game that I can take if I want to break from Call of Duty or if I, you know, if the full game comes out and I'm liking it more for me, I can see myself making the jump um, just because of how much fun I've been having with it. It's just they need more than just me <laughs> to uh, support yeah. them. So they've well, got a lot of work f- ahead of them, but there are
1: 14 maps at launch and one coming every month is what they've said oh nice
2: so yeah that's pretty good that is really for good the first, actually for the first year for the first year is planned obviously so i mean that's destiny 2 hasn't got a new plan. pvp map in like four years so if they're doing one new one every month like that
0: is yeah we'll, we'll see if they can execute and that's my thing i understand they're not going to take over call of duty at all um it's not like you know the the millions of player call of duty mm-hmm. has they're going to Cut it in half. Like I know that's not what's gonna happen. But yes, my concern is how y'all gonna keep the doors open? Because a live service is basically business at this point, right? Um It's not like a single it's not not like a Final Fantasy 16 where you release it and you know, it does what it does. No, this this is a retail store at this point. So what are you gonna do to keep the doors open? What do you need to keep the doors open financially? Um so Obviously, we don't know that, like you said, but yeah, in terms of uh, its potential, I, I guess I have also 180. I thought it was just going to bomb. I don't think that way anymore now that I understand what it is, um, but I also don't know how long it's going to last simply because of what competition it is up against and who the audience is. Their targeting is it really I think just
1: depends on
2: the niche and how it catches
0: mm-hmm. yeah
2: which i mean i have always been a big believer of the best call of duties generally are the ones with the best maps um overall i haven't now how played, do you feel
0: about the maps then i haven't like, played a map that i, I didn't like work.
2: i i okay. really haven't um i only got to play like one or two in the closed beta um this one there's been some really fun ones. There's one that's in a zoo like museum type area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's one that's almost like it's a connection between two buildings. There's one that's abandoned mm-hmm. like street line. Um, I haven't played one that I didn't think played fun. unique with lots of, it doesn't worry about like there's old school call of duty maps generally had a three lane system. Yes. The good ones. Mm-hmm. This it's, there is a three lane system, but it's not very evident, mm-hmm. but you definitely feel it. it. It's not like, Hey, you guys are going to fight do- these three, these three lanes. It's yeah. It's almost instinctively like you can tell where the lanes are going to be. So I,
0: I agree. I've yeah, a ton of They fun. do a very good job obscuring the, the lanes. So they like, they guide you down it, but they leave enough s- space yeah, and openness yeah. and like little detours that pique your curiosity and like make you go that way and try it yep and then um,
2: you'll get somebody spawned true. you know right behind you <laughs> you're like that's that's right old school yeah. <laughs> um oh i'm insane. say so you're talking about like the coordination like the team um i could tell you i've major the majority of the matches that i played were the card like, point game mode and then the escort I played a couple of domination game modes, but it was majority of those, so I don't know if they, you know, were weighted heavier in their rotation or not, but my guy, there is no coordination on Escort. <laughs> it's like, who's the one team, man? Who's the <laughs> one like, dad sitting back with his AR, just like, oh, okay, I'll push the card. It's just whole W old school COD players just running at it, and it's so much fun because it's like, I feel like we're supposed to be doing something. Oh yeah. There's a payload. And <laughs> the best part about it is they wait. You playing the objective on your final score. Like e- after each, you know, match mm-hmm. or whatever, it's got the score and you'll have your kills, the assists, you know, all that stuff. I, I'm not making this up. There was a guy who had four kills, was at the top of the leaderboard because he sat on the payload the entire time. Yeah. (laughs) So I was, it was like top of this leaderboard was four kills. And then you had like 20, 22, 15, like (laughs) this guy (laughs) jumped all of us because my man played the OBJ. So that, that kind of stuff is really fun to see, you know,
0: it is. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's been fun. I, I think everyone should at least give it a shot and see what they think. Put some time into it.
1: So, nice thing is, it's not launching like Skull and Bones at $70. So, mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> that
0: is very true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That is X Defiant. I'm glad Noah got to try it out. All right. Uh, that is Ubisoft, specifically Ubisoft San Francisco. So, yep. that is their jam. All right, let's get into some news. David, take it away.
1: Okay, well, first up, we've got Overwatch 2 Season 6, which, you know, this is this has been in the news for a little bit, uh, but this was too important for us to pass up because after all the talks about the stories content being canceled and we're not getting our pve and stuff well they said we were still getting story missions we are getting story missions however you're going to have to pay 15 dollars to get story missions and it's just a few of them meaning (laughs) that we'll probably get to another season and have to spend another 15 dollars so I have to present the question. Has Overwatch lost the goodwill of its fans?
0: I think it's good to know uh, the fans are pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Very. Nobody's happy about this. No. Yeah. Nope. So, <laughs> Noah, you can go first if you want. I mean,
2: my, I think the content will be good. I think the story missions really? will be good. Okay. The big the thing that I am curious about is what reason will people have to play it more than once? Like that you're wanting you've already said your replayable PVE content is gone. So these story missions, what aside so you want your players to spend fifteen dollars to play a mission that they'll play a couple times and then go back to playing, you know, ranked. (laughs) I, I just, I don't know how they're wanting that to justify if there's no replayability because the majority of the player base, what happens during all of the uprising events, they hop in, they play it a couple of times and then they just hop right back into multiplayer. And that was free. So this I'm just I don't see it being worth it for the majority of the player base um, and especially announcing that so soon after. You know, the whole fiasco of canceling the PVE portion of it. Um,
0: Every time somebody says canceling the PV, I just I can't help but laugh because I was like, that was really absurd. Go ahead.
2: Well. I, I still even, the PV is just the easiest way to describe it Um, for me. No, I'm
0: saying, yeah, I'm not knocking the way you're describing it. I'm just like, the idea that they canceled it was so absurd. Like, and, and they, just, they, if went i like, reminded of it, I start, they smiming, went almost so. a
2: year and they knew about it without telling yeah. us. But, you know, yeah. I, I, we've talked about it. We, yeah. So, my biggest thing is you, they're not going to be able to call this pve content if it's just a story mission because pve um your overwatch had a great analogy he's like when i think pve i think rpgs where you have multiple you know combatants you're fighting in the term you know you don't he's like we don't think of call of duty campaign missions as pve content at least okay, I don't. Okay. And he's okay. like, so, so, how are I, you going to be describing these story sense. missions as PBE okay. content? So, okay. I, I think if we can see the first one and see the depth of it and see if there, you know, is a reason to replay it more than a couple times, I think that might change some people's minds. But I, I'm just curious to see how this performs. Monetarily for them, because I people are not happy right now. (laughs) They, I'm not paying for PvE, you know, the story missions. So be mad, and they have every right to be mad. Yeah, they they are fighting an uphill battle, and the announcement of a fifteen dollar in addition to a what is the battle pass like ten bucks? You're wanting that in addition to that's just tough that's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of players myself included like i i'm not going to be but you know we'll see if anybody else does (laughs) so (laughs) anthony you can go ahead and take it from here
0: okay so has overwatch lost the goodwill of its fans uh, they lost it as soon as PVE was canceled. <laughs> like, it was it was gone. Now they're in the process of having yep. to re-earn it, and they are not doing anything to re-earn it. Uh, they are making the matters worse. They are digging their hole deeper, and this is just terrible optics. Think about this. Hey, we're pulling PVE. Sorry, but we'll give you something. Here it is. Look. Here's some PVE, but you got to pay $15 like, excuse me. Yeah.
2: And and I just want to really point out, like I, and I'm sure you will agree with me and David both. I firmly believe that this was an executive decision and that has nothing to do with the devs. So I am not frustrated at the devs. I am more frustrated at the executives making these choices. I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs>
0: It could be. Uh, it, it absolutely could be. It, it, it may not be. Because here's the thing. I don't have a problem with them charging $15. That is not my problem. They are a business. They created content. Whether it was content that they already created and didn't get to finish because of the scope of it and they had to you know, change it to, to fit this, they are still making something They have the right to charge for that thing. They are a business, that is fine. It is the market's decision whether or not they want to pay for it. So this is the risk that they're taking. They think it's something that's worth paying for, fine. We'll decide that at the end of the day. So I don't have a problem with them charging $15. What I do have a problem with is the fact that they have not done anything to smooth this over. This is business as usual quite literally you cancel pve you basically say we're not going to have any story missions and then you throw out there hey look there's some story missions and we're going to charge you 15 i guarantee you most of the people who were looking forward to pve didn't even think about the fact that they were probably going to charge for those story missions in the first place they were thinking probably that they were going to get PVE, and it was just going to be some free-to-play thing add-on to Overwatch 2. They didn't even think about the fact that you would have to pay for it. They never mentioned anything like that. So now all of a sudden we're getting story stuff that's supposed to be bigger than the regular archive kind of stuff, and you're charging for it? You have done nothing to smooth over what people are already viewing as a nickel and dime game because the Overwatch community is not even used to -to free-to-play because that's not how Overwatch started. And that's not how it's been for the last four years up until now. So they, Blizzard, have done nothing to change the optics on this. Imagine if they made this kind of statement. I wrote up a statement that I imagine could help the community understand and soak this in a little bit better let me read it to you let me hear your thoughts on it hey we're sorry we'd cancel pve we understand that's frustrating but we learned a lot from what we did what we did make and we're going to use what we learned to give you some kind of pve content we still want pve and overwatch and we still want to expand on it and make it bigger and better but we couldn't achieve the ambition we hoped for but we're going to make something it will be a paid experience but we believe what we have in mind will be worth it we hope you agree when we get to show it off does that sound like a little bit better does that sound a little bit better in the communication like at least we know something none of this stuff has been communicated before right so I don't know if that was actually a good statement,
2: but (laughs) I just would like to submit Anthony's uh, submission to run Blizzard now. Uh, (laughs) That's his resume, folks.
0: Yeah, there we go. So I don't know if David thought that was a good statement, but my point (laughs) is he didn't. So (laughs) I think that we have not been communicated with enough about all of this. And they're just going on, doing a thing, and just kind of seeing how it works out. I guess in that sense, maybe this was an executive decision because this feels like an executive move where they just don't care about the feelings of the people. And they just do a thing because money and investors. Um, But this is not what the audience for Overwatch they're just not used to this model at the end of the... Yes, they probably play Apex. They probably play Fortnite and Destiny. But how much did they actually engage with the models of those games versus what they engage with monetarily? For Overwatch, probably not or very little. And so they go from almost like spending bujus on loot boxes and whatnot and feeling happy about that. They paid for a $60 game and basically they get all the content for free basically paid for by everybody who's buying loot boxes. And now they feel like they're getting nickel and dimed, but this is actually how free to play works. The skin prices totally market. Look at You go to Fortnite, you go to apex, you go totally market prices, but these people aren't used to it. And so everything just feels bad right now. And they have done nothing to make it feel better.
2: No good press. Like the, the announcements of all this, like I know Aaron, they're, they're trying to do like a, this week at Bungie kind of thing with their devs and Aaron and stuff, which is great. Communication is always good, but these announcements should have been done in a video format, which would have made it much more. They could have at least conveyed tone and emotion with this. But and I I don't know if this would have helped, you know, soften the the announcement, but I almost feel like hey be like, hey, you know, we have these story missions coming along um, that we think will be worth, you know, purchasing and stuff that you know we will charge them fifteen. But to give you guys a taste, the first story mission launching in season six will be free or included in the battle pass.
0: Oh, like, I'd say the first two. First yeah. two.
2: yes. Like just that way you guys can see what we've been working on and the way we're going to now not drip feed but spread out the content over seasons. So and I and I think just doing that first one or first two for free you 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 know even throwing it in the battle pass, I mean, it would have been much better wouldn't have left a sour taste in everyone's mouth as being like, you're wanting to charge this in addition to the battle pass. You know, if you do like the first two, be like, hey, after the first two, we're, we're going to be separately. Those will be charged 15. I think that's very much justified. Be like, hey, you're giving us the first two to see how we like it. And if they try it out and like it, they will more than likely be more inclined to justify throwing the 15 down I don't know if that would have been a universally liked idea but I think it definitely would have helped soften the blow
0: yeah I think from a business perspective like Blizzard probably feels like that's a little risky because probably used to that loot box money right and unfortunately Activision Blizzard is a publicly traded company so they have to figure out how to keep the money Flowing. I can guarantee you since they've moved to free to play, they are not earning as much money as they did when they had the loot boxes guarantee it. And so they're still trying to figure out, okay, well, how do we, how can we make that up? Oh, we got to charge from day one for these story missions, which again, I don't have a problem with them charging. That's, that's their thing. It's up to us to decide whether we want it or not. Um, so I I get it. I'm not trying to like cape for blizzard when I say that. I am just I I get it. It's a business. Um and that's why my biggest thing is they have done nothing to change the optics surrounding this whole thing. They're just going and and doing things and expecting people to like, I could guarantee you these marketing and PR people for Overwatch right now are like, yo, I'm know making this really, really difficult. Stop <laughs> it, please. <laughs> yeah, like, goodness gracious. Um, so, yeah, that, that's why I'm like focused on the optics of it. And because that, I mean, that matters. I mean, you we, you know, I have seen what happens with Destiny when they F up. Like, you, you saw what happened with uh, Lightfall. Like, they came out and were like, you know, at, We get it. We didn't we didn't do that well with lightfall. Like they just came out and said, We didn't do that well with lightfall.
2: Joe came out and was like, Hey, we we know, you know, we're moving on a speed train and we you know, it landed and it didn't hit like we thought it would, but we can't sit here and mope about it. We have to be better. We have to make up, keep moving forward, you know. He used the analogy of like a basketball loss. Like you can't sit on that you have to prepare for what you have next and make sure that you're better than what you were last game
0: yeah you know and yes they oh blizzard had some kind of apology for you know all the pves i mean it was almost like a 40 minute apology uh, about all this and explaining like what happened almost i i would say they almost explained too much they were a little (laughs) probably too honest (laughs) with, with their explanation and i appreciate that like i i give them credit for explaining how all of that went down, how they came to the decision, all of that. doesn't feel good, but I'm glad that they said it. I appreciate the honesty. But from there, you need to work to build back rapport with the community. This, with with no context, with no communication, does not do that. Now, they did have a live stream today that showed off what the story missions were at least at least a portion of it i didn't get to watch it because it happened while i was at work but i plan on watching it tomorrow um at some point to see or at least sometime in between now and the next podcast recording uh to see uh what it's about um and see if it is justified 15 dollars um because it might it it might be i mean I watched it and you will be, I I think it
2: is. I think it is worth the $15. I think.
0: Did you see it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, you did see it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay.
2: You know, and that's what it's the, not the expanded PV repetitive, you know, replayability thing. It definitely looks like it will be good and worth that. I think our biggest thing is they did nothing to, you know, our question was have, you know, is there no more goodwill? That's, I think our biggest critique with it right now is how they're handling this. It's not the fact that they're charging, this you know, so it's how they've went about it. And because, you know, if the product they think is worth 15, I think it will be. It's just right after the PV. <laughs> it's like, guys, it's like, come on. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I think, you know, when you watch it, I think you'll, it'll kind of, I guess, reinforce your feelings that it will be good.
0: David, I mean, I, I know you're privy to, you know, the business sighting of things and reactions and PR and all that. Like, how do you feel about it? I know you don't play Overwatch as much, but.
1: It's it's a bad situation. Like you said, the the optics just aren't right. You just kind of, it's that whole thing you punch somebody in the f- stomach taking away something that everybody was excited about. And then you proceed to like, you know, kick them as they're on the ground with putting out, Hey, those story missions that we mentioned that you were still getting. Yeah. Those are $15. (laughs) And I think it's in a pack too. So it's, that's even the worst thing is it's like, it's just, it's not separate. It could have been a, I'd have understood if you made it a, more expensive version of the battle pass, kinda like Call of Duty just did with Black Cell. Mm. Uh because Call of Duty essentially made it where it's like 30 bucks only real money, but like you get like 10 bucks of additional points for the mode, like different ways to get like that, something like that makes sense. Not a separate $15 pack that includes a couple of (laughs) a couple of cosmetics. Like it just, it just, there's something about it that feels wrong. And I guess that's probably again, goes back to the optics argument of it it feels wrong. So if a lot of people feels wrong to a lot of people, then that's the perception. So it's, it's just not a good look when you're already dealing with a bad look.
0: You reminded me of something too, of about the fact that, uh, paying for something that you know they kind of were already working on we all know it's also a lesser version of what they were what they were planning yep. so that also feels bad well, it's like and, oh you're charging us for something that you were working on and it's, auto, it's automatically going to be lesser because it's not what you envisioned so it's and, like oh yeah
1: and it's I'm assuming they've probably got more story missions to charge us for so in the end we may get pretty similar to whatever the PVE cost would have been <laughs> In the end, just slapped in with cosmetics that we weren't expecting to have to pay for. (laughs) Yeah. So, eh, Blizzard PR is... Yeah, they're they're having a a fun one right now.
0: Working overtime. Alright, next.
1: Well... As I said, Blizzard PR is having to work a lot extra right now, and uh, that's extending into Diablo Four. Uh, in answering Paul Tassi uh, asking a question about the battle pass, when it comes to Diablo Four, Rod Ferguson said about the seasonal quest line: to take part in it, the mechanics, the season journey, and the battle pass. This is to engage in it. You have to create a new character. I playing is is playing the campaign with a seasonal character if you so desire and need to finish will also progress the season journey and battle pass. So I would be really frustrated if like for instance to pro- the only way to progress the Call of Duty battle pass was to only use the new guns. Like that would that would actually get annoying. Uh I, I know that's a very not a one for one trade, right yes, there. But
0: that's right. But I, I know what you're saying. But yeah.
1: it, it, that idea, at least, is there. And the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of new players that are coming into Diablo Four. Uh, it's one of the it's the best selling Diablo game. So this is a very different thing compared to what we've seen in battle passes, at least as of recent. As, as, as of seasonal content, I, from what I understand, Diablo 3 has a very similar system, but I don't even feel like Diablo 3's was introduced until later in the cycle. Hmm. Uh, so I guess the question really is, how did we get here? Because it feels like a lot of media, I mean, if, if Paul Tassi doesn't know about this, then that's a pretty big name in just gaming in general, and it really feels like a lot of people just missed this report.
2: Yeah, I I feel like this is just my working theory on this. I I think it was a matter of, you know, they're prepping the launch. You know, they hit the green button to, you know, get the countdown started. And they're like, hey, yeah, we told them about the seasonal characters, right? (laughs) Right. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then somebody's like, "Um, actually, we kind of forgot to talk about that. It was like... He'll be fine. You know, we'll get to it when we get to it. You know, I, that's my working theory. But, you know, I could be wrong.
0: They had a like huge little blog and live stream talking about the seasonal stuff. They go over all of this stuff. But I still feel like it hasn't been marketed as strongly as... It's kind of like, we did the thing. Okay, so you could just... could go back and watch that thing. <laughs> Maybe that will change as the season draws closer and like they're marketing it and the you season. and you hear about it more. And so more people start to understand, yeah, okay, we have to start a new character. I just wonder why we even have to do that. I don't I don't understand the logic behind that move. So okay, you did it in Diablo 3. Why? <laughs> like, what was like I understand Diablo players are saying, yeah, we've been doing that since Diablo 3. Why do we need to keep doing this? What what What's the purpose of having to re- not use the character that I've been building and working towards? They put out, uh, I forgot where I saw the stat, but uh, I forgot what website I was reading. But uh, to say the least, most players have not finished the campaign in Diablo 4. And I might have saw it from Paul Tassi, actually. Most people have not finished Diablo 4's campaign. And by the time the first season starts, most people still have not finished (laughs) Diablo 4's campaign. So you're working on this character. You got this season stuff coming. And then you find out the character that I've been playing with in the story is not the character that I could continue uh, going for with the season. Why, why did I not do that? So I feel like there's some informational disconnect with maybe what they plan for each season for there to have to be a new character. Cause Even still, the idea of having to rebuild a new character every season, uh, that sounds exhausting as well. I feel like I'd be okay if I needed to create a new character specifically for seasons, and that's just the character I use for seasons. Like, I can't use it in the story. But to have to restart one every single season?
1: Every season's weird.
0: That just feels exhausting. It's like, I have to... Like what's going to be so special and so unique about each season, and what happens that I'm going to, let's say, I use a rogue every season that I'm just not going to build the rogue the same way that I've been building it. <laughs> you know, like is there going to be new weapons and gear that's going to be exclusive to seasons that's just going to make building my rogue more interesting? Every like, I, I don't know. Like the story, I think is going to be interesting enough. Kind of probably like what Destiny's doing with its thing, but this just sounds exhausting.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious to see like how they, you know, market it whenever it comes closer to that time. Cause I'm only through act two. <laughs> there's been so many other things to play and there's, it's so easy to get distracted. I can see why not a lot of people have beat the campaign myself included. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm almost curious to see why, cause it, from what I've understood, it's almost like a different realm it is like the seasonal realm. And then you have like the eternal realm, which is just like the base game. And so the seasonal character will be what you need to take into the seasonal realm. It's just a new one. How long are the seasons? Have they said how long the seasons are? Oh, uh, I forget the number at the top of my head. I think it's three months. That's oh, that Yeah, that's just to have a rotational, you know. I can understand, like, if it's, hey, you have one character, you know, that you can take and do, like, all the seasons progress through, but a new one for each season, I'm just, because I've never done a Diablo game before, I just don't know how it works, you know, and it may come out, and we get into the season, and we, you know, things start clicking, I'm like, okay, this is, this makes sense, that's fine, you know, we're talking about this way beforehand, so, but yeah, it does sound pretty exhausting, (laughs) Um, and I think like Paul said, he's like, you know, there's, there is going to be a millions of players who have no idea that they're not going to be able to take their character that they've grinded, you know, to level 70, 80, whatever it may be, that they're not going to be able to take that into the new content. It's just going to kind of be a big shock to them. And that was his biggest, you know, talking point about it and what i think ours is is yeah they oh, they, they definitely i feel like could have marketed it more
0: i yeah, think they might because i think it starts in july it's like late but, july
2: i mean like yeah
0: so yeah,
2: just, yeah, mean, the, biggest word thing, yeah the,
1: the biggest thing is is like this should have been there should have been like some big most people have the whole road map reveal like at mm-hmm. launch like this should have been very common knowledge it feels like like and that's so the, the, that's probably the biggest thing to me is just this should have been more common
0: knowledge yeah. so they did i, I want to make that clear they did they have a they huge blog uh, a video talking about all this stuff mm. i think why it got missed was it kind of fell in like all the other marketing videos of like diablo 4 launch trailer yeah. the the um mm. the the dev diary type of stuff oh here's the the seasonal stuff we're doing here's another book of lorath video you know like this
1: so, so they put too much in essentially is what i, you're getting I at. feel like, like it the, and to, it, to me and this should like have been deal. Uh, to me you should have done only roadmap
2: like very how the season will work yeah. i'm like sorry not all,
0: in, all like, of that stuff was in the video okay I'm just saying in succession, like over the okay. course of like yeah, a week, they, two weeks, like they're yeah. releasing all this stuff. Sorry.
1: Yeah. They should have been be- They should have been better about how they did their roadmap then. Cause it, it really should have been common knowledge.
2: Yeah. Cause I pre-ordered the digital deluxe or whatever that comes with the first season had no idea <laughs> that that's how that was going to work. Um, I mean, I personally, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm intrigued to see how it's going to work, you know? But yeah, I would have, you know, maybe along with all of their, because they had money for the marketing in this game. Okay. They got KFC involved, like having a launch trailer, you know, a roadmap or like a seasonal explanation and not just throw it in with like their blog or whatever, like a separate seasonal, I guess, info explanation on top of everything. I think a separate one posted would have done a much better job at getting the word out
0: or maybe it is something they lightly wanted to bury
2: and who knows next week they could drop a seasonal overlook you know a, hey up for the you know the upcoming season they drop a trailer explaining all this but you know
0: yeah who like knows? a little quick primer yeah yeah
2: for the yeah, they got to
0: figure out a way to communicate like why it's done this way. And again, I I didn't read and watch the whole th- blog thing that they did. I could pull it up right now, but uh I just stuff like that should be obvious, you know? Like it should be very clearly stated. I shouldn't have to read the whole the whole thing to figure out their <laughs> logic for for doing something like this,
2: or in or in Paul's case, have a legion of hardcore Diablo players yelling at him. Right, that this yeah. is how it's always been. In, you
0: know. yeah, definitely, definitely not marketed well enough, or at least communicated well enough.
2: All right, next.
1: So to finish all this fun stuff off. Microsoft has announced plans to increase the price of the Xbox Series X console and Game Pass subscriptions. Now, well, I totally the,
0: forgot about the price increase yeah. for the Series X. Holy crap! Yeah. Thank you. So
1: the Series X it didn't go up in the U.S., Japan, Chile, Brazil, and Colombia, but everywhere else it's available, it has gone up. And Game Pass is going up pretty much everywhere they did have Norway Chile Denmark Switzerland and Saudi Arabia it will not increase there uh, this increase from what I see is starting in July uh, that in July regular game pass will go from ten dollars to eleven dollars and game pass ultimate will go from 15 to 17. Uh, PC game pass will not be changing. Uh, interestingly enough, it's the price it, of the console itself. It says that in the UK, the Series X will cost 479.99 euros. Uh, at least I think I'm saying, no, that's pounds. Uh, 550 euros, uh Six hundred, yeah, six hundred and yeah, fifty dollars <laughs> in Canada, and a whopping eight hundred dollars in Australia. Obviously, their dollars are very different than than yeah, our dollars. So, still, yeah, still though, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but this the console increase is very similar to Sony's, where they increased the PS Five price, probably almost the same. Um, They did say that the Series X pricing will match Sony's pricing in the UK, Europe, Canada, and Australia. Uh, This is following, of course, the fact that Xbox decided all of their first-party games were going up to $70. And it's even more interesting because this week they are in talks with uh, the FTC presenting their case for all of this Activision Blizzard stuff. So... There's a whole lot going on and we have to ask the question, is this too much? Like the these these costs.
0: I was quickly doing some busted math. That's what I do. Busted math. Game Pass as of right now, fifteen dollars a year for Game Pass Ultimate. That's what I subscribe to. Is $180 a year. The increase to $17 makes it a year, which is a difference of $24. It feels bad. (laughs) It feels, doesn't, $24 isn't a whole lot, but if I told my wife, hey, my Game Pass subscription is going to $17, know what a response would be? Who's paying for that?
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Who isn't getting Um, their coffee in the morning?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean $24 that's it's a jump you could pay for but yeah, yeah it still it still doesn't feel good to go from 180 to 200. Um so you know, it is very much that, you know, market at 5.99 cuz if you say $6 it doesn't feel as good, you know. So um that's what this kind of feels like. Um am I still going to pay for it? I mean, yeah. YouTube TV went up. I'm still paying for it. Netflix went up. I'm still paying for it. Now, granted, just, this is a $2, $2 jump. So Netflix has skyrocketed. Uh, YouTube TV skyrocketed. Um, so those feel even worse. But um, yeah, it's just, I don't know.
1: You just do it more begrudgingly. Felt,
0: yeah, 15 just felt right. Like it felt fair I want to say this is I don't want to say it's unfair and I don't have the words to express what this is, but it just doesn't feel great. And that's all I got.
1: Yeah um, what I feel worse about is the fact of we have been teased with the fantastic games that we see in the future of Xbox. We finally see the roadmap. We finally see that Starfield, that Hellblade, that Avowed, that Fable, that Clockwork Revolution, that South of Midnight, all these games. It's like, yes, finally, Xbox. You're finally giving us what you've promised after we've dealt with the Red Falls, after we've dealt with the Halo debacles, after we've dealt with all these things. Cool, the promised land is here.
0: You just got to pay, pay for
1: it. two extra dollars a month to yeah. get there. Because it's not just that yeah. this is $24 more a year. It's that we're still technically waiting on these games. So this is going to stretch out further than just a year. <laughs> this is going to continue to stretch out. And here's the thing. I, I did hear this on a, a space earlier today. This is a permanent price increase. This isn't a okay we're putting it up. We'll go back to 15 soon. No. This is going up. And if they can do that for this, if if this whole Activision Blizzard thing goes through, how much more expensive is Game Pass going to get? Because this is the price when we haven't gotten big games yet. <laughs> What
0: happens well, they, when they the price increases like based on market conditions, right? Like it's market conditions. I know we, we can do that. We can do that. Market
1: conditions, meaning that we've got expensive video games coming down the pipeline because of course we could offer all our first party when we didn't have first party. <laughs> <laughs> it's real easy to call yourself gotta, consumer friendly when I barely get. A sixty dollar game out of you every year. Yes, and have those, they yeah. have they spent money on third party exclusives? I'll give them that. There's been some great third party exclusives uh, or third party games on the service, but it still boils down to the reason you subscribed Game Pass is first party offerings. And let's be honest, first party through Game Pass throughout its inception has not been great. It is yeah. just not oh. been great. And now that we finally get it, suddenly we have to pay more for it. And again, when you're talking about the size of a studio at least going up by another half. Yes, I know there are different things about CMA and like you have to keep the price of Game Pass at this. It's part of the reason they they raised it now. So that they can get away with... And still, I think it was like lesser of two evils. They're hoping... (laughs) They're just crossing their fingers that this doesn't bite them in the butt in in these discussions. But as soon as you get those Call of Duty games in and all this kind of stuff, I'm willing to bet if depending on the length of what they would agree to with Activision Blizzard, as far as we're not raising our price for this long it's going up to $20 the second we get to the end of that contract, at least. Uh, Because by then Activision Blizzard, you're going to have Blizzard with their new game. You're going to have obviously all these new Call of Duty games.
0: You're going to have a lot
1: of of IP ready to land along with Elder Scrolls 6, along with the fallouts of the world, along with all these other different things. So, it it's just one of those things of yes is it still a great deal absolutely 17 bucks and the what's promised assuming obviously we we assuming it all hits it looks good right now so we we're making that assumption i think starfield is going to be absolutely fantastic but the thing of the matter is is you just feel a little dirtier <laughs> because it's like ugh. Now this is starting to get hit the wallet just a little bit more. And now the games start to and I know again everybody's gonna point, well, two dollars. It still comes down to the point of at fifteen dollars I could stomach it when the game didn't hit. At seventeen dollars, I start thinking about it a little bit more <laughs> when they don't hit. <laughs> so those are those are just my opinions on there. The the thing with consoles it It sucks. That just that's really plain and simple. There's not really a lot that you can say with that. I felt the same way about Sony. I've got the same energy on that. It sucks. But it's very interesting seeing all this, especially in a market that subscriptions do does not seem to be the answer, and and you do have to worry that what is going to happen with this? Is it going to hurt them in subscriptions? Is it going because it ain't getting them a lot extra? <laughs> uh, but the question is, is if it hurts them, um, obviously you'll get the little boost before it goes up, but it's, it's more the thought that you could still see a little bit of harm from this move, uh, especially considering, like I said, I'm pretty sure that their game pass subscriptions at on ultimate at least have pretty much stagnated here as of recent and according to the numbers.
2: Isn't that kind of crazy how something can be so perfectly priced and then just like the slightest little addition is just like boom. (laughs) So on your point,
1: point, I used to go in, I would remember this was like 10 years ago, probably I would go into Walmart for a Blu-ray and 20 bucks I'm down twenty five. I'm out. Like that, it was legitimately that, that there is a in your head price proposition, and if it don't ma- make it as it?
0: <laughs> it's just yeah. And so let me. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry, go, no go, go ahead. Go 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 No, go, 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 go,
2: go, go ahead. Go, go, go. Oh no, sorry. You go
0: ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh, right. he froze right oh, no. when he looked at me. There we go. No, there he no, goes. No. Okay, so i come back. Um. Okay, so let me let me throw a question at y'all. Movies in general are far cheaper than video games. Netflix subscription premium is twenty dollars, sixteen dollars, I think uh, the standard, um, or it was like fifteen forty nine or something like that. With the discrepancy in price between video games and movies, do you expect this, a similar thing with game subscriptions, a la Game Pass? Because for twenty bucks, like compared to what you pay for a game day one, let's just talk about day one. Now, I will say movies generally remain the same price generally for a lot longer than games do. Um, but you you understand the question I'm asking um, with with the you know the, the, the difference there. Twenty dollars could technically give you a lot more room uh, to play more games per year then maybe buying movies. How do you think that works out with subscriptions?
1: I, I think your volume is different to be honest with you, because there's a lot more movies, TV shows that hit these services. So Good I think point. it kind yeah. of equals out a little more. Uh, so, Cause for instance, on a Netflix, you're probably got thousands of movies compared to game passes over a hundred games. Yeah. Um, what nobody ever talks about is that PlayStation plus has a good, you know, 500 games 500, on it. So yeah, it's actually yeah. <laughs> like it, we talking about value proposition. They've got a ton on that service. Uh, it's just yeah, that, some of them
0: are older, you know, you can Yeah, exactly. Buy them um, for super cheap.
1: So, but I think that's really where it kind of evens itself out to a degree is that movies. Yes, they are a little bit more. you watch it once you're done. So I think that's a little bit easier to kind of, go with a subscription service. Cause like, for instance, black Adam, uh, I'm very glad I watched that on a subscription service and did not <laughs> buy it. Cause I, I watched it. I was like, okay, this was fun. I'm done. Uh, with a video game, that's a little bit different. You want to keep playing it. So I guess it's kind of that thing of a subscription service. Yes, you can enjoy it. But a lot of times, you know, most video games, you'll just, you'll buy them like, like a Diablo, uh, as cool as that sounds on a subscription service you know I, I'd rather just pay it up front because I'm gonna spend that seventy dollars eventually on the months of subscription um all that being said i I think that i think that it's like subscription services in general have just stagnated and I think it's a pretty similar value proposition across the board
2: yeah i I mean, I agree with a lot of what David said. Um, it's just, you know, which I, I don't feel like for me, I'm a good person to ask because I'm a collector of Blu-rays and steelbooks. So I, I'm the one who.
0: Oh, that matters. Yeah,
2: I, I'm, I'll i just straight up like I'll pick and choose. Well, there's some ones where I'm like, I'll wait for that to hit a, a streaming because I know it's one of those movies. That will, And then there's some where it's like, I'll just bite the bullet day one get it, you know, for the collection purposes. So I mean, you know, going back to the games, I mean Sony has said like their formula is working. That's why they're not doing the first party stuff day one on their their subscription because they're selling
1: they're going the movie theater route. Yeah. You know, let it be out for a year or
2: two, then throw it on there. Yeah. So I mean and I think my just overall conclusive thoughts I mean, we've known about this for a while because I, I believe Phil said that the prices will be going up. It just, mm-hmm. it just still stings, you know. Even, when, but I just, I think there's going to be a lot more people start, uh, game sharing <laughs> their subscriptions now. So, well, I think uh, I, you know, that that price split, you know, in half is a lot easier you know somebody who you know you might not have been good friends with i think now you're going to be really good friends with <laughs> you know
0: right so. oh, that person's got game pass i need to treat them a little better and yeah like i hey think buddy. it's
2: just that that
1: value got less valuable that's the easiest way to put it like it was a great it's a great value but it got less valuable because i'm
2: having to spend more on it whether and, i like whether you like it or not that's yeah. That's what's happening. I mean, Starfield is right around the corner, so I can. Oh yeah. I guarantee you that's one reason they did it. Um, I get it from a business sense. Yeah. Makes complete sense. And I think that if they keep it at that $2 increase, I think once all of the games from that showcase start hitting, you know, in the future, I think it'll be a lot easier of a pill to swallow. I just think like you said, right now there's not a ton on there to justify, you know, in our heads adding that extra two dollars you know in the future that it might be worth it but for right now the scale definitely got tipped a little too far but i get it you know from a business i i get it so but yeah i mean i share a game pass so i'm okay
0: <laughs> like, i pay for mine it definitely makes me think maybe i should just pay for the console version <laughs> <just a> buddy <laughs> and just, just- just pay for the console, skip the PC. Not that I need to play Redfall on PC anyway.
1: <laughs> need to send you my deal on this.
0: Um. Okay, yeah, uh, that's all the news. Yes, I think that's yes, all of it. That
1: is it. Mm-hmm. All right, perfect.
0: Well. Alright, it was good catching up on all the things that we needed to catch up on. So, uh, appreciate you hopping in on an early recording day. I got something to do tomorrow. So, that doesn't matter for those who are listening post-musically, but you know, that's how it goes. So, appreciate you watching, appreciate you listening. We will be back. We will talk to you later. Peace.